We're going to read from God's infallible word. Return to the book of Acts. Many of you know we've been going through the book of Acts. Well, I won't say how long, <laughs> but the times I've visited you anyway. And um, we've been seeing something of the wondering, wonder of the conquering power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this morning we're going to take up our reading at the end of chapter 15. I'm going to start from verse 35 and then we're going to read into chapter 16 to verse 15. So Acts chapter 15 verse 35. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. He went through Syria and Sicily, put to strengthening the churches. Then he came to Derbe and to Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now that when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran, ran a straight course to Samuel Race, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, 
we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptised, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she constrained us. Well, it's good to be with you once again. And we take up those verses which uh, I read to you earlier. Beginning in Acts chapter 15 through to chapter 16. Verse 15. Isn't it strange? This world is crying out for peace. And yet, they reject the Prince of Peace. Our Lord Jesus Christ. What hostility we find against our precious Saviour. Even in these days when man does not have an answer to all the problems of this world. And yet they show hostility. To the one who indeed is the, the prince of peace. The book of Acts. For those who perhaps haven't been with us all the times. Is a record. Of the conquering power. Of the gospel. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who were once hostile. Those who are once vain in their religion and worshipped false gods come to the point when they hear the glorious gospel of surrendering, of confessing and coming to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. And the wonderful thing was where there was once barrenness, ungodliness, in many societies of where we've read in the book of Acts, there comes a little community, a little local church, where people love the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course that's our confidence today. What can change the hearts of men and women? There is only one power, and it's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to preach the gospel and testify to the saving power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we come to some very interesting verses today. Just remember last week, last September when we were here, we talked about a council that happened at Jerusalem. And the issue was this. For a person to become a Christian, did they have to become a Jew? Did they have to be circumcised to be a Christian? And of course the council under the great providence of God and the wisdom of God, they said no. To be a Christian is to trust Christ alone. It's not something which is outward. It is something which is inward. Knowing that assurance that our heart has been changed by the power of God. Now that's where we were last time. We come to some interesting verses this morning. And I'm going to give them a title. As some of you know I'm on the open air mission committee. 
And when we've got a committee coming, we get the agenda. I shouldn't really be telling you this bit, by the way, but there we are. Just for my title this morning, it's worth saying. There's a little item on the agenda called Work and Workers. Now, that's my title. And, of course, under Work, we discuss the work of evangelism. And under Workers, we talk about the evangelists. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. And uh, just catch up with what men have been doing. Work and workers. That is what really our verses are about this morning. Interesting that uh, in verse 38 of chapter 15, Paul's complaint about John Mark was that he didn't go to the work with them. In other words, they didn't, he didn't go to the work of preaching the gospel on that first missionary journey in Asia. And then you discover in our verses it talks about workers. There's Paul and Silas. There's Barnabas and John Mark. In chapter 16 we read about young Timothy. Silently, now I don't know if you know this bit about Acts, silently the person of Luke is introduced to us, but his name is not mentioned. Just in case you don't know this, in verses 4, 6 and 7 of chapter 16, it talks about um, they and them. Verse 4, as they. Verse 6, now when they. Verse 7, after they. Now if you notice carefully in verse 10, it says this. Now, after he had seen this vision, immediately we sought to go. Concluding that the Lord had called us. Therefore, we sailed from Troas, we, and then verse 12 at the end, and we stayed in the city some days, and verse 13, and on the Sabbath day, we went out. In other words, Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, has now joined this little party going on the second missionary journey. Now, it's always interesting just to find out those little things as we go through the scriptures. So, the work is the work of preaching the gospel. And to do the work, you need workers. Now, I'm going to read to you some wonderful verses. If you want to turn to them, they're in 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. Now, these are tremendous verses. Really encourage, encouraging for the Christian worker. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 6 to 9. Now listen to this. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 6. I planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labour. Labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are are God's building. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, you just think about the book of Acts for a few moments. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. He preaches his sermon. 
but it's God who gives the increase. Remember Philip? He goes and preaches to the Samaritans. He preaches to them. But it's God who gives the increase. Philip goes and preaches to an Ethiopian eunuch. But it's God who gives the increase. Peter preaches to Cornelius and his friends. They're converted. But it's God who gives the increase. And Paul and Barnabas, they go on the first missionary journey. Just imagine this. Go into places where they do not know the name of Christ. They stand up and they preach about the Lord Jesus Christ. And people are converted. Why? Well, they've done a bit of planting and a bit of watering. But it's God who gives the increase. And of course, that's the great confidence that the Christian preacher, the Christian worker has as we go about the work of evangelism. Yes, we can say words and we need to say them in such a way that there is understanding. But at the end of the day, it is God who gives the increase. We can plant, we can water, but we look to the Lord to give the increase. And it's a tremendous thought, isn't it? That we are labourers, we are workers, together with God. That's a staggering thought, isn't it? And uh, that's a, a lovely encouragement for us all. Now, I'm going to divide our portion into three, okay? That's always good for a preacher, by the way, to have three points. But here we go. Verses 36 to 40, chapter 15, there is a division. Chapter 16, 1 to 8, there is an addition. And chapter 16, 9 to 15, there is a multiplication. You think I'm going to talk about mathematics, don't you? Well, that's my little series there. There we are. There's a, a division, there's an addition, and there's a multiplication. So, first of all, verses, uh, chapter 15, verses 36 to 40. Now, Paul and Barnabas had returned uh, to Antioch in Syria, to that church where they'd been sent out on their first missionary journey, and they'd gone back to teach that church at Antioch. And Paul says to Barnabas, let's go and visit the brethren who became Christians when we went on our first missionary journey journey and of course that was a good idea these two men didn't think well I've done my little bit they had a passion for the gospel and they wanted to see how these new converts were getting on and how these churches have been established and that's what a church should be doing shouldn't it sending out people to preach the gospel in covid our airports, instead of becoming the runways becoming a launch pad, they became a parking lot because the aeroplanes weren't flying. They parked the aeroplanes on the runway. But a runway should be for a launch pad, not a parking lot. And so it should be in the church. We're not just a parking lot. We don't come and park ourselves here just on a Sunday. We should be a, a launch pad. To send out those to preach the gospel. Whether it's locally or whether it's further afield. The church should be known as a launch pad 
of sending men and women out to tell others of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's Paul and Barnabas. They're ready to go. They're ready to be launched. But Barnabas said to Paul, let's take John Mark with us. And Paul said, we're not going to take him with us. He turned back when we were on our first missionary journey. And you can read about that in chapter 13 and verse 13. And then we read these words. Then the, verse 39, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. Now I did say it was a division. One man was saying, we're going to take him. And Paul said, no we're not. He let us down the first time. And there was a contention between these two, remember, two godly Men, to Christian leaders, there was a contention. Now, what are we going to make of all this? Well, let me talk you through it. Number one, what was the disagreement about? You hear people, Christians, ah, Paul and Barnabas, they had a disagreement. But you must say to yourself, what was it about? Now I'm going to say this and I'm going to emphasise this because I've heard it, these verses used. It was not about doctrine. I'm going to say that again. It was not about doctrine. Now that's important because people use this verse and think, Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement, but what was it about? It was not about doctrine. It was about whether John Mark was suitable for missionary service. Now, I'm really glad that Luke, under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, has recorded these words. You would have thought if anyone else had been writing it, apart from God, the Holy Spirit, well, well we won't put that bit in. We don't like disagreements. We won't put that bit in. But it's been recorded for us. Why? Because throughout church history, and some of you know the experience, good men, spiritual men, good Christian leaders have disagreed. That man is not suitable to be a preacher. That man is not suitable to be an elder or a deacon. That person is not suitable to be a missionary. Now, I've been on various committees, and we've had to discuss whether that person is suitable for a beach mission leader or an open-air preacher. There have been times when we've all said, yes, that person is suitable. There have been times... Well, we've all said, no, that person is not suitable. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say now, don't you? But there have been times when some have said yes, and some have said no. 
And boy, there's been a fervent discussion. There really has. And, uh, well, I can't tell you about how it all ended. But good men disagree. Now, the lesson for us all to learn is this. We can disagree on such things as this. We'll never disagree on doctrine, because we can't do that. But we do disagree sometimes when it comes to whether a certain person is suitable. We can disagree, but we must never, ever be disagreeable. You see, the contention between Paul and Barnabas was great, it seems. But the question you must ask, did they sin? Did they sin when they were being, or they were discussing this issue? Now that is very, very important to remember. There is nothing wrong with a fervent discussion. There is nothing wrong with so debating this side and that side to get the best answer for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of a local church or a missionary organisation. There's nothing wrong with that. We want the best. And that's why we need various minds from various angles to do that. But we must never, ever sin when we discuss such matters. Just think when Paul was on his second missionary journey, when he came to one of the churches they'd founded on their first missionary journey, perhaps they said, where's Barnabas? Why hasn't he come? Do you think Paul would have said, huh, I had a disagreement with him and he was wrong. Do you think he ran down Barnabas? Well, knowing what Paul wrote, I don't think he even mentioned the name. Or mention the disagreement. Romans 12 verse 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another. With brotherly love. In honour preferring one another. And what a lovely spirit that is. You know there is a proverb. It says iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of a friend. Never be afraid of a lively discussion. Now, Paul thought he wasn't suitable. Now, that all happened about three years previous to these verses. John Mark would have been a reasonably young Christian. Remember this. Every one of us, if we were a Christian... There is a principle of growing in grace. <coughs> That's our confidence, folk. You might see many faults with me, but remember this, the Lord hasn't finished with me yet. We believe in sanctification. Remember this. There is a principle of growing in grace. Now, Barnabas might have had a little bit of nepotism. He was related to John Mark. We learn that in Colossians. It was his, his cousin. There may have been a little bit of nepotism. We always have need to be a bit careful about if people are biased. But remember this. People grow in grace. 
Paul, near the end of his life, to Timothy could say, Bring John Mark with you. He's profitable for the ministry. (laughs) Good old Barnabas. He's the son of encouragement. He'd encouraged John Mark and he'd grown in grace. So do not please put young Christians. Oh yeah, young Christians, they stumble, they fall, they do things wrong and they get things wrong. And sometimes they get into a bit of trouble. But remember the principle. Christians, they're walking with the Lord. They grow in grace. At the end of this discussion, remember this. Instead of just having one missionary team going back to Asia, there was two missionary teams. Barnabas and John Mark went to Cyprus. And sometimes we have our disagreements, but sometimes it falls out for the furtherance of the gospel. That's a lovely example of it. So when we have our disagreements, remember it's not about doctrine. Sometimes we see things in a different light when it comes particularly to electing elders or, or, or deacons. Or backing people who want to go to missionary service. But remember this. People grow in grace. And remember this. Sometimes it can work out for the furtherance of the gospel. So there was a division. Now I want to come to my second point. Verses, chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. There is an addition. There is an addition. Paul and Silas, they now come into Asia. They come to Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. That place where there was once barrenness, but now there is a lively church. And I would imagine Paul learned this lesson. He saw that church converted, come into being. When he goes back about three years later, it's still going. It's thriving. And there's this young man, Timothy, who seems to be a a real mature young man for his age, spiritual man. Now learn this lesson. We believe in preaching. We believe in church leadership and all that. But remember this. We have a good shepherd. A great shepherd. And he looks after his sheep. They may be in lonely situations. They may be in difficult situations. But there's a good shepherd who looks after his sheep. And here they are. They're still going on with the Lord. And sometimes when I'm out in the open air, someone shows a real interest. And you think, oh, they're not far from the kingdom, you know. This is my confidence They might be going to a place where there's no church. You can't recommend a church. That's a real problem these days. But you know this. If they trust the Lord, the good shepherd will look after them. That's my confidence. And I hope it's your confidence as well. Well, they come across this young man, Timothy. Timotheus in the AV. Timothy. We learn that his mother is a Jew and uh, we know he has a grandmother as well from 2 Timothy Lois and Eunice mentioned there in 2 Timothy they're both believers 
We also learn from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 that this young man had been taught the scriptures from his childhood by these two, grandmother and mother. And uh, they'd been a great influence on this young man. And of course, there is a great blessing, isn't there? And we'll, we'll deal with the problem in a few moments that his father was a Greek and he seemed to be an unbeliever. But grandmother and mother had taught young Timothy the scriptures. Now that's a, a wonderful challenge for us all here. What, the, what is the greatest thing you can do for a child? Is to teach them the scriptures. My wife on, on Friday in Litchfield where we were running an open air. Spoke to a lady. 28 years of age. And shall I tell you something? She just didn't have a clue what the Bible was all about. She'd never read it in her life. Isn't that incredible? But there's a generation around us who haven't got a clue about the Bible. So what a privilege a parent has to teach their children the Bible. John Wesley said this. I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians in England. Monica, who was the mother of Augustine, great Christian man, when he was in his rebellion, when he was a prodigal son and wayward son, pleaded and prayed that her son would be a man of God. And he was. He was wonderfully converted. D.L. Moody said, Humanly speaking, all I accomplished in my life is due to my mother. And Robert Muffet, who was a famous missionary, said this, that his mother's influence led him to be a missionary. Well, Timothy was blessed. But his father was a Greek now, whether Timothy's mother, first of all, she may have disobeyed a Jewish command, they should only marry a Jew. Perhaps she was already married when she became a Christian, and it led her into a difficult circumstance. But we all know the principle, which we need to emphasise yet again in these days, a Christian must never ever marry a non-Christian. That is disobeying the clear word of God. To be unequally yoked. The Bible says that should not be. We just started the book of Judges. At our church. When did the children of Israel go astray? I'll tell you. When they started intermarrying with unbelievers. That's when they went astray. And I sometimes wonder... Whether well, that's why a lot of our churches have gone astray. Well, this young man was a spiritual man. And Paul wanted Timothy to go with him on this missionary journey. He, com he was commended by the local church. They said he is a real fine spiritual man. And that's always another principle. We don't commend ourselves. We allow others to commend us. There's a verse in Proverbs. Let another man praise thee, not thine own mouth. 
a stranger and not thine own lips. Be careful of those who always are a bit arrogant, putting themselves forwards. Beware. We need others to commend us. Timothy was always already aware of the influence of Paul. And uh, it says in 2 Timothy, this, this, wonder, this wonderful verse, it says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconia, Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. So, young Timothy had observed the life of the Apostle Paul. That's always a good thing to do. If you're a younger person, observe the Christian's life, how they live. It teaches you, instructs you in the things of God. And Paul could say about Timothy, Philippians chapter 2, and verses 21, no, 20, 21 and 22. It says, of Timothy, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things that are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Isn't that wonderful? Paul trained Another good Christian worker who cared for the souls of the people of God. Who was a gospel man who wanted to bless others. But there's one other thing I want you to notice. And that's verse 3. That the Apostle Paul takes Timothy and has him circumcised. Now you remember last time. Circumcision, should new believers be circumcised? And the council at Jerusalem said no. But here's Paul having Timothy circumcised. Well, the answer is found in the verse, verse 3. Because of the Jews who were in that region, for they knew that his father was a Greek. He only had Timothy circumcised because he didn't want to cause offence to the people he was trying to reach with the gospel. That's why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 9.22 I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. He didn't want to go. Now remember the policy of Paul. He'd go to the Jew first. To their synagogues. And preach the gospel. And then he'd go to the Gentiles. He didn't want to go and bring Timothy into a synagogue. And the Jews start discussing. He's not circumcised. And all the debate would be about circumcision. Now Paul didn't want that. All Paul wanted was the discussion. The emphasis is to be on Christ. And him crucified. And there's a big lesson for us all there. When Hudson Taylor went to China, he didn't go in his suit as a good Englishman. He wore Chinese dress. Simply because he didn't want everyone to talk about, oh, you know that man in the suit? No, he, he became one of them. If you invite a, a Muslim to a meal 
you don't give him pork. That would be a, a real embarrassment for him. In the open air, you don't let a lady talk to a Muslim man because that would be an offence to the, the man. And there's lots of things like that. We need to be very careful. We don't want to cause offence. The only offence we want to cause is Christ and the cross. That is our great emphasis. So there was a division. There was an addition. Timothy is now with that group. Who's with that Paul and Silas and with Luke who will go in a moment, into Macedonia, into Europe. So, that's point two. Point three, a multiplication. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to all nations. Now remember from that day of Pentecost, they, they slowly made their way up through Samaria, and then into Syria, and then the first missionary journey into well, Cyprus, then into Asia, they're making their way along. And here's Paul and Silas going on this second missionary journey to visit Asia and the churches that have already been founded. But something happens. Verse 6, verse 6. And when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And in verse 7, the same things happen as they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them to go into Bithynia as well. Now remember, go back. We are labourers together with the Lord. Great thought, isn't it? But remember this. We're just a labourer. There is one who is the Lord of the harvest. And there is one who is head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is sovereign. And he directs his servants where they should go. The door was closing in Asia. Now when a door closes, be certain and know this. Another door opens. Shall I tell you something? Now I'm a little nobody. But that's been the experience of my life. I've done lots of various things in Christian work. But sometimes the door is closed. But as that door closed, something else opened up. And it's amazing. The Lord is so good and so kind. And here's the Lord of the harvest. And in verse 9, he has a vision. Paul has a vision. There's a man of Macedonia stood and pleads with him saying, Come over. To Macedonia and help us. Now there's going to be a, a multiplication. So Paul and his fellow workers, they go across the sea. And they come finally to a place in Macedonia, in Europe, called Philippi. They are entering into new territory. Here is a new field. To evangelize. Asia have got the gospel. But Europe hadn't. And here they are now in Europe. In Philippi. Now when they reach Philippi. 
Remember what his custom was? To go to the synagogue. Oh, there's not a synagogue in Philippi. To have a synagogue, you've got to have at least ten men. But what the Romans had done, they'd let all the Jews go from that area because they didn't like Jews being in Philippi. So there weren't ten men, there wasn't a synagogue. So this man, in the vision, come over and have, where are all these people who want to hear the gospel? Paul must be saying to himself. Well, what happens? What happens? They, one Sabbath day, they hear of a little prayer meeting. And they turn up at the prayer meeting. Now there's a lovely verse in Zechariah. It says, despise not the day of small things. <laughs> That's a great verse. It's always an encouraging verse. And there's just a few women who have met together for prayer. And Paul must be still wondering, where are all these thousands who want to hear the gospel? Just a few women who have met for prayer. But that is the moment when the church is founded in Europe. So Paul and his friends go to the prayer meeting with these ladies. Paul preaches and speaks to them about the gospel. Lydia's ears are opened. She listens. And no doubt the other ladies did as well. But then the Lord opens Lydia's heart. The things of God have become real to her. She understands the gospel and she is saved. And then Lydia opens her mouth. Can I be baptised? And all the other ladies as well. People are coming into the kingdom of God. Just a few. But it's beginning of the church in Europe. Soon millions of us will hear the gospel in Europe. Can I be baptised? And they're baptised. And then she opens her mouth and she says, I'd like to open my home to you. Come to my house. And wonderfully and marvellously, a church is founded. Because later on in the book of, Philippi, if, book of Philippians, we read about to the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, notice, with the bishops and deacons. In other words, some men have been converted as well. And it had become a local church in the right sense of the word with a leadership to lead that church. Isn't that wonderful? All began at a little prayer meeting where Lydia's heart was opened. And that's where the Christian life begins. When you hear the gospel with your ear and the Lord comes in a very wonderful way and that heart which has been so closed to Jesus Christ and that heart which sometimes has been so hard and resistant to the truth of God. God comes in all his wonderful power and he opens the heart and you see that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross 
He paid for your sin. And there is forgiveness, free forgiveness for you. And a miracle of grace can happen in your heart and in your life. And who knows? It might open up to something far bigger than you ever expected. Like for Lydia and those few ladies at the church at Philippi. So there was a division. There was an addition. And there was a multiplication.